Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. What's going on, you archery gurus? Welcome back to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Wade, as we are sitting live with one of the coolest podcasts coming out. And I know I say that over and over. It sounds like a broken record. But when we talk about being on the edge of new and classy items, stuff that's going to renovate or make your hunting even better, we are sitting across from a full studio today. I have Jake Schlungen, the owner of Archery Country in 365. Dan Block is with me. And we also have Mr. Ernie Power from tethered quote unquote for saddle hunters by saddle hunters ultralight hunting redefined tree saddles is one of the fastest growing things in the archery world especially archery outdoor world guys not wanting to lug a tree stand in public land hunters a whole plethora of individuals will fit this and we're here today to teach you about a product to introduce you to a product if you already know about it this will be just a little recap but Ernie, I got to ask you first of all, how you doing? I am doing great. I'm uh, glad to have you guys up here. It's uh, I've always been a fan of your guys' store and everything else, and it's just fun to sit down and chat with you guys. I thought George Strait rolled into the parking lot this morning with the leather truck. <laughs> the convoy. I mean, he's pimped out and looks good. Where are you from, Ernie? Uh, I grew up in North Idaho, uh, but then right around uh, 94-ish, I moved out here to go to college. And had been a Minnesota resident uh, ever since. So I've just kind of never left. And in the last 10 years, I found a wife and I got a couple of kids and have really kind of sunk in here pretty deep. So, yeah, I, from Idaho to Minnesota. Okay. And where is Tethered located? Right now we're located out of Jordan, Minnesota. So just ah. on the southwest suburbs. Um, you know, we've got a warehouse there and then my family lives fairly close. Love it. Jake and Dan, you guys can chime on to this. First of all, for our listeners that have no clue where we're going with this, you clicked onto the podcast link because we had some cool pictures. What is saddle hunting? What is, what is a tree saddle? Break it down in a, in a generalized deal. Why is it such a phenomenon? Why is it such a big thing? Well, I mean, saddle hunting isn't new. It's been around since the 70s. There's a few different companies who've made a go at it and doing some things, but in the in its barest form, it's kind of like a hammock seat that you would hang from a tree. It's kind of a cross between what you would see a mountain climber wear as he's traversing up and down a mountain, but uh, we crossed it with more like what a lineman would use for trimming trees or for accessing your power line poles. Both of those have their uses, and, and both of them are really good at what they do, but they're not hunter-friendly. Uh, and what we tried to do is take those two products, add features and benefits to it, get rid of some other features that aren't needed, and try to make a lightweight solution that is both comfortable to sit in for long periods in a tree, but is lightweight, packable, and in and out of the tree. And the idea is you can have all of your stuff be completely mobile. It's lightweight. You can take it in and out of the tree, take it in and out of the woods each time, and it creates a more mobile, more efficient hunter that way. So you can get to places that you don't have to really drive something into. You don't have to backpack in 25 to 30 pounds of stands. Are you guys using sticks, climbing sticks? Is that the general or tree pegs where they're allowed? Yeah, I mean, sticks are the most common. Absolutely. There's a lot of guys getting really creative with climbing ropes, and there's uh, a few other products for putting steps into trees. Uh, 
my favorite actually in places I'm allowed is to use uh, climbing spurs. And a lot of that comes from the fact that I spent a lot of years as a tree trimmer. And so for me, I'm actually a lot more comfortable on my spurs than I am a ladder stick just because it's, it just for me is something I've done a lot more, but basically any way that you could get into a tree for a lock on or some of your normal hunting situations, you can use with a saddle. What we're doing is we're changing what's at the top of that climbing method. Gotcha. And this is allowing us, uh, we're going to break into what your, your main products are here in just sure. a little bit, but something that I'm not going to lie to anybody. I have no clue what we're talking about today besides sure. what I've seen on social media and the homework I did last night, 1130 on your product straight out. It's a learning curve for me as well, but what it, it's actually a lot easier to use these items than a person or people may think it's uh, you don't have to be a lineman. To use one uh, 30 second video couple of minutes you can practice at home going up and down there's some instruments and there's some tools that you utilize to make this easy uh, just kind of go through not only what you wear but what you use to go up and down the tree and then attach to the tree sure and so everybody's going to develop their own system I think that's one of the beauties of this whole deal is everybody's going to do it a little bit different but the main gist of it for, let's say myself, uh, I would have a set of climbing sticks that I take into the tree with me. And I actually use an aider, which we can discuss that if you want to. It's a, it's a way to make your sticks go higher. You can get more height out of each stick by attaching a webbing or rope ladder that hangs off the bottom. Okay. Um, and mainly because, I mean, I've been told I have the inseam of a beagle. <laughs> and if I, if I had to use just sticks to get up in a tree, it takes a lot more sticks for me because I just can't lift my legs high enough to, to make the long steps. So kind of in a circle there a little bit. But So I've got my climbing sticks, and I'm going to walk up to a tree. And I generally at that point I have my saddle on. And for anybody who's seen any of our videos or how – I do it. Everything in my saddle is organized to a point that I know where everything is and it's always in the same pockets. And where that becomes important is when you're trying to set up in the dark or do anything, not having to search for a piece or a component or whatever and knowing exactly where it is as you go just makes your life a lot easier. So I get to the tree, start putting my sticks on the tree and I actually will hang my sticks off of one side of my saddle. And the first thing I'll do is put my first stick on the tree and then attach my lineman's belt. And what that is, is the lineman's belt is a rope that goes around the tree, and it connects to your saddle at both hips. And what that is, is it gives you a way of being attached to the tree from the ground. And as you're climbing up, it's always there, and you want to adjust that such that you can put a little bit of back lean into yourself and have tension onto that rope. And what that does is, let's say I get up and I'm standing on my first climbing stick, I can use both hands to attach the second climbing stick because that rope is holding my hips in place. So that's going to be a lot safer for attaching and taking down your sticks. But also, if you were to slip or anything come off the stick, that rope's going to slow you down as you come down or it's going to hang up on a branch or a stick or something and keep you from falling the rest of the way down. So, so that's kind of how you're attached to the tree on the way up. Um, I got one question with that. Yeah. How are you attaching your sticks to you and then also your, your weapon? Okay, so my weapon lays on the ground. Uh, I am a big fan of the Doyle's uh, retractable hoist. It's a spring-loaded dog leash, basically, that I attach to the back of my saddle. And I'll attach that to my weapon and leave it on the ground as I'm climbing. 
the sticks, on the other hand, there's a bunch of different methods. I've used uh, parachute cord. I've used uh, wire ties. Um, I've used a, a basically, like depending on what sticks I've got, a clip-on that will go on my belt. But the idea is that I hang them off of the, the saddle as I go. And space them enough so they're not clanging or hitting, or they just... Well, it kind of depends on the brand, right? So uh, if you're looking at some of the tethered brand stuff, our climbing sticks actually stack together. And so you only have to attach the first one to your belt because as you're climbing up, you can peel off the other sticks off to the side. Um, but if you are going up with a, a different brand or you've got sticks that don't stack together, then yes, I would hang one off the right and one off the left. And generally with my climbing method, I need three sticks. Um, I run a pretty long aider off of each one. And so I walk up to the tree and I put my first stick on and I put it as high as I can reach and still do the attachment method. So for me, that puts the top of that stick at about seven feet. And then my aider's hanging down. Then I've got one stick on my right and one on my left, or maybe I've got my platform on my right, one stick on the left. If I'm doing it that way, I'll actually take the attachment method for stick number two and hang it off the top of the stick of stick number one. And then my platform's there. So then I climb up, I get to the top of the first stick, I can reach down and grab the rope for the second stick, pull it up and attach it, put my aider, climb up, grab the third stick off of my hip, put it up, climb up, grab my platform off the other side. So I don't want to come up and down the tree more than once. So it's a one trip for me, and I just try and figure out what the best way is going to be to be able to do it in one trip. Mm -hmm. um, so... For the guys that aren't using a Doyle's hoist, um, I, I like to put that in the middle of my back. That just seems to be the most convenient place for it. But what some guys will do is they'll hang their platform off the middle of their back and one stick on each side. But the idea is like you had kind of hinted toward is as you're climbing and things are swinging, you don't want them hitting into each other. Mm -hmm. So I, I separate them. And then, and then the eater that's coming off the stick, mm -hmm. that's something I've never even thought about. What are you running for that? So I... I run one from uh, <clears throat> Backwoods Mobile, and he makes one specifically for our one stick. Um, and actually, we kind of helped him design it. Tether didn't want to get into the Aider game, but we wanted somebody to make one that was good and kind of met our qualifications, so we partnered up with them guys. Um, and what it is is uh, it's a set of steps that hangs off of the, the climbing step. And so what I do is they uh, have a bungee top, and you kind of spread it and hook it on the top step. And then it hangs down. And you climb up, climb up. And when you get to where your feet are on the bottom step, you can reach down and unhook it, clip it to your belt, rinse and clip repeat. The next one. And so you take it with you as you go. And so that one webbing aider allows you to turn one stick into seven feet. Hmm. Interesting. Or more if you can lift your legs higher, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, Well, Jake's is like 12 feet and then, you know, us down here. I got so okay. Your sticks, you're set now. We're to your last stick. Yep. And you 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 use the word platform. Yep. That's what is. That's our base for the entire hunt. That's what your feet are on. Yeah. So, um, in in your saddle system, you're you're basically looking at a handful of parts that are your main deals. You're gonna have your saddle itself. Yeah. Um, you're gonna have the ropes that you're gonna have one to climb up the tree, one to attach yourself at the top. And then you need somewhere to put your feet. Um, I prefer to have a secondary platform, but there are guys who will stand on the top of their climbing sticks. 
they'll stand on a branch. Maybe they'll have a ring of steps that go around the tree um, to allow them to pivot a little easier. But I prefer having an actual platform. And so we, we provide that with our predator platform. And basically it's about a 12 to 14 inch square piece of aluminum that gives you a place to put your feet. And, you know, that doesn't sound like much, but the reality is because of the way you're tied in at your hip and the way you're attached to the tree, you're just kind of using that to maneuver your feet and position around the tree. You don't have to do a big dance move on top of the platform, so you don't need as much square footage. And the, the platform base, this is a big question. A few questions that we got on our social media about this podcast is people, they sometimes get hung up that you're only, you know, like in a tree stand, if we were to break it down in, in a perfect scenario, you, you have 180 degrees. Sure. Unless <clears throat> you can shoot offhanded or behind the tree, you make things work in that. But a tree saddle actually gives you an opportunity to possibly shoot 360. It does. I mean, it, it's going to depend on the features in the tree, you know, branches, that kind of a deal. Um, but the idea is the first 180 degrees is really simple. Now, unlike a tree stand where that 180 degrees is in front of you, yep. the easy 180 degrees is going to be on the strong side of your tree, which is going to be the side that you normally shoot from. So if you're, um, <clears throat> if you're a left-handed shooter, it's going to be the right-hand side of the tree. Because as you're facing the tree, your right hand, which is where you would hold your riser and whatever else, is going to be easily to access on that 180 degrees without a lot of movement. That being said, it only takes a little bit of a positioning of your feet to, a to add <clears throat> almost 90 degrees counterclockwise around the tree. And then you can come back around the other way and by pivoting your hips and your feet a little bit, pick up the other 90 degrees. So then all of a sudden you've got 360 degrees around the tree. So how are you setting up when you get to, like, what's your ideal setup on facing the tree? You want the trail off of your your non-dominant side, basically? Well, for me, uh, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a left-hand, well, up until recently I'm a left-handed shooter. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I try to set up so that my ideal shots are in the 2 o'clock range. Um, so for a right-handed guy, it'd be in that 10 o'clock range mm -hmm. because at that point, it's really easy to, you can hide behind the tree if you're not gonna, if it's not, it's not a target animal. It doesn't take a lot of movement to kind of pivot over. So let's say your main, uh, engagement area is going to be in that 10 o'clock range and you're standing at six. It doesn't take that much to pivot over to four. And then all of a sudden the trees between you and any animals, but it also doesn't take that much to pivot over to eight and you can catch anything coming through there. Right. Um, but I like being able to, to kind of pivot behind the tree or even a lot of times I will sit behind the tree completely and only pivot out if I need to shoot. Makes a lot of sense. And then when, so when you're set in your tree and now we're connected, mm -hmm. we have, you have your lineman rope still on. Are you, are you switching over to a top connection rope? After I've got my platform set, <clears throat> And I've still got my lemons on at that point. I'll step on top of the platform. Uh, actually, back up. I've got my lemons on. The platform is attached to the tree. That's when I'll set my tether. And I'll set it as high as I can reach, knowing that I'm going to have to move it up a little bit once I step onto the platform. But that way I've got two attachment methods at this point. I've got the 
tether and the lineman, and then I'll step onto the platform. That way, in case, in case I did anything wrong with not getting the strap on right on the platform, or maybe it's hung on a little piece of bark and it's going to shift or whatever, most accidents in the hunting world happen when you transition from your sticks to your tree stand. And so that's the point where we want to have both ropes attached and just make sure everything's right before we start taking things away from the system. And so I will go ahead and do that. I'll get onto the platform. I'll adjust my tether, get it at the right height where I want it, make sure everything's secure, kind of weight everything, make sure it's good. And that is the point where I'll take my lineman's belt off, store it away for the climb back down. And this is this is me being dumb. Yep. Okay, so call me stupid if you want. You don't have to wear a harness? Correct. The idea is that your saddle is your harness. Okay, so um, we're connecting around your the it, inner part of your thigh. It goes around your waist, and uh, then it comes underneath um, to the back of your thighs, and then we have leg loops that come across like that. So it is quite literally like a mountain climbing harness where you've got straps under your thighs around your waist and a belt and then you're attached with the rope to the tree and actually <clears throat> i've wore a harness for many years <clears throat> or i wouldn't be married that's one of the requirements of it if if guys have ever experienced a harness and how it works if you do fall it is a mf -er to try to get yourself back away from the tree but with the tree saddle if something does happen you still have both hands and nothing's pulling up on your your tether's in front of you. Yep. And you're you're cradling, you know, the bottom portion of your body below your mass. So it, it would be easier to control something if it did happen. Well, the other nice thing is, too, um, the way we kind of look at it is when you're wearing your safety harness in a tree stand, it's there to catch you if you fall. Mm -hmm. So there's always slack in that system, right? So it's generally set up so that it's kind of tight or maybe just has a little bit of slack when you're sitting down. But when you stand up, all of a sudden you introduce a bunch of slack into that rope and that system. And when you fall, they generally have breakaway systems built into the tether as well. So all of a sudden that whole thing gets really long. Um, with a saddle, we tend to think of it more as it prevents you from falling because when you're using a saddle, there's no slack in the system. You're actually leaning into the rope. So if you were to step off of your platform or, or step away from anything, there's no drop. You just swing into the tree, and then you just kind of push off and put your feet back onto the platform. You're not going to end up hanging from your shoulders a foot below the platform. So it, it makes it so that it's uh, a lot easier to self-recover. So we covered we're in the tree. We're hunting. Like uh, you touched on a little bit hiding. Never even brought that into consideration before that you can hide from your game uh use your tree how is there a size difference in trees are we looking for and i know we're going to do over tips and tricks here at the end of the podcast sure. but am i going to a cottonwood that is four feet across or am i trying to find something smaller is it all personal preference is it you can go where you need to go to hunt we like to say the the, the beauty of a saddle is it lets you get in the tree that you need not the tree that fits your your tree stand, right? So a lot of times, especially with a climber, I mean, you need you got to find the tree that matches your climbing and your and your tree stand. Whereas the saddle lets you get in the tree that you need to be in to kill your deer. Um, that being said, I like to find something that's about basketball size at the point where I'm hunting. 
So it might be a giant oak at the bottom and branch out. And once I get up to where I'm at, it's a smaller basketball size branch that I'm tied around. And because that seems to be about the limit to where I can get 360 degrees around the tree and never have to leave my platform. As you start getting into bigger trees, that's where I'll actually set my platform level with my climbing sticks so that I have another thing to stand on. So as I'm pivoting around, I can put my foot on top of the stick to get a little bit further around the tree. But if you're on a, about a basketball-sized tree, you don't need that extra step. All right, so products, um, we are going to carry these for those folks that are listening right now wondering where. Uh, we're right in the neck of what we call the dog days here at the shop. Like, it's right around the corner, and we will have products available. And we're all going to be, probably not me right away, but we're going to be trained on this. Dan, I know you've played around with saddles. Jake as well. Um, Buck up in St. Cloud has done this. And a lot of guys. Yeah. They're, they're, I've, I've had different saddles over the years. Um, I have one of the tethered ones. I've, I started out with like a trophy line one back in the, it must have been 90s. Yeah, we all did. Right? Um, I mean, that's yep. what was around. Big, heavy, uh, you know, it's uh, Ernie's done a lot to make that a more enjoyable experience but yeah by the time this uh podcast drops we will have product in the stores that you know you can come in we can show you how to use it try it on go through the whole spiel with you and actually uh unless i'm mistaken you're the only bow shop in minnesota um that'll be carrying it at this point so did you hear that everybody i'm pretty excited don't, don't, don't. yeah make it a little more busier for us ernie that's awesome <laughs> um before we get into your product showcase, how big is, is there a weight? Okay, if I walked over to a tree stand right now, some of them are 250 pounds, some of them are 300. There are some bigger hunters out oh, there. Yeah. Uh, and you have size, according, there's a size chart on your website. I'm kind of cheating the system here and knowing the answer, but is there, you can be a little itty bitty new hunter or you can be a big guy, correct? Yeah, and, and we do have some different sizes, and depending on which product line you want to chase down, uh, like our Menace line has three different sizes, basically a medium, large, and an extra large. And then in our Phantom line, we've got two sizes, the Phantom and the Phantom XL. Uh, everything that we have has been tested with uh, a 300-pound drop weight. And okay. basically that comes down to that's the dummy that they had at the TMA testing facility <laughs> at the time. Mm -hmm. um, our materials are all individually rated stronger than that, but we didn't have a dummy to test it higher than that. So everything's got a 300-pound weight rating, um, and that's how we go ahead and run that. And then as far as, like, the size of your body, the um, they can kind of run the whole gamut. I think our Phantom goes down to something ridiculous like 26 or 28 inches now um for those that may not know the that have followed tethered in the past our our phantom now has an adjustable belt in it that will go a lot smaller than it did in the past and then the phantom xl it'll get bigger than a 300 pound guy can fill out so i mean you're not going to have a trouble with size you might end up with an issue of getting over the weight limit or getting around the tree yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing. I've seen some really, really big dudes climb trees, and, um, you know, it, and that also just comes down to, you know, what you're willing to do. There's been a lot of guys that uh, gravity, they just, they'd rather not tempt fate by being up in the air. They, they know what the, 
the impacts are when they hit the ground. So. Don't get in a six inch popple. Right. It may swear <laughs> on you a little bit. All right. So products. We talked about um Elaborate on the, the Phantom, and then we'll go the Menace, and then your ESS starter kit, and then we can also build your own. Um, kind of take us through, and we'll end up at your platforms. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, I, you know, if we start at the top of the line, the Phantom is our, that's our premium. That's our, uh, that's our best saddle that we've got right now, and it's got a lot of features in there that have kind of come through the years that we've had tethered. When we first started, we had our Mantis saddle, and we took a lot of feedback that we got from different customers and whatever else to, to create that line. It's got the most adjustability, um, the, the highest premium as far as like features in it. The, uh, it's got an adjustable bridge. It's got the comfort channels in there. And for, for those that might not be avail- uh, <coughs> familiar with the comfort channels, that basically allows you to change the pitch of your saddle and it allows you to kind of fine tune where the pressure is. So with any of these systems, as you lean into it, sit in it, you're going to feel pressure in one place or another. And the comfort channels allow you to kind of redirect that around. You know, a lot of guys, it's very similar to, you know, for those guys that are used to it in a tree stand. If you're going to sit in a tree stand for more than 10 minutes, you're going to find that, you know, you're sitting on one cheek, you're sitting on the other, you're leaning forward, you're standing, you're, you're changing your position over the course of a hunt um, because nobody can sit motionless for that amount of time and be comfortable. Well, in a saddle is no different. You're going to find that over the course of a hunt, you're going to adjust your tether, you're going to adjust your bridge, you're going to adjust your comfort channels and just kind of fine-tune that as you go to be able to make it through a longer sit. Um, and the Phantom has the most of those adjustability options in it. Um, so that's it. It's a mesh saddle. Uh, it's got the M-Steel bridge on it and uh, all that adjustability. That's our, that's our premium line. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got another line that we also do is our Menace saddle, and that one's intended to be more of a working-class saddle. That's going to be your, I'm not really sure if I want a saddle hunt, but I want to try it out. It's a more budget-friendly option. Uh, it's a Cordura-based saddle instead of mesh. Um, and so the other thing about it is it's a slightly different shape. So the other thing about a menace saddle is it's got a deeper cup to it. And for, uh, our hunters that maybe have a little more junk in the trunk, it's going to fit a little nicer. It's not as flat as the phantom. And actually where I, uh, you know, not to get myself in too much trouble, but I actually find a lot of women enjoy the menace saddle over the rest of our line because it just fits their hips a little better. They're shaped different. Yeah, they're shaped different, right? Um, And so a lot of times when we're at trade shows and whatever else and we're custom getting people to try this stuff on, more than not, the women end up buying the Menace over the Phantom just because of the way it fits their body. And then kind of to round out the line is our Eberhardt Signature Saddle. And with that one, we worked with John Eberhardt. And for those of you guys that might not know John, he's – we call him the godfather of saddle hunting. This guy's been doing it since before I was born, basically. Um, he's killed a pile of Pope and Young uh, bucks all on either public or knock-on-door permission. He's written several books. He's just really into it, and he's always pushed saddle hunting. And so we worked with him to create a saddle that's what he would use, and that's where this saddle came out from. It's uh, more of a webbing-based system. It's a two-panel saddle. 
So it allows you to adjust where the where the saddle comes in contact with you high and low and kind of adjust it as you go. It's a little more strappy than the other ones, but once you get it on, it's really comfortable. And then I have to ask you on the build your own. Um, sure. I think some people can get overwhelmed if you're brand new to this and you go on the tethered website. There's a ton of products <clears throat> because you offer a ton of products, but the main features of our saddles are the same and the equipment that goes with it. You guys can, is the, what's the build your own? Is that a customizable deal or are you seeing a majority of the customers going with the three that you talked about? Yeah. So they generally what it boils down to is, um, we find that it's easier for a customer to try and put together a kit of the essentials that they need. And the build your own is basically a way for you to make those kits. Uh, it's everything's all a cart, but the build your own kind of walks you through the pieces that you are going to need to be successful. So generally the build your own kits are a saddle ropes platform, maybe a couple other little accessories in there. At the end of the day, it doesn't come out as a single skew as I a kit. You. It just is a way for us to piece part all the a la carte items into a bundle so that you make sure that you're getting the, the essentials that you need to get going. And then a platform. We offer, I believe we're going to carry a platform of Tethered. Yep. Uh, you offer two. Yep, we do. The, the XL and the standard. Correct. Which you already kind of gave some dimensions on that. So overall, <clears throat> guys that just want to get into it, hunters that want to just get into it, we have an option for you. If you've done it before and you want the best of the best, we have an option for that. We call the Premier Line on the Phantom. But now our, our products, and like I say, there's going to be a ton of listeners that get online or are online right now looking at the website. We're going to have it up on all of our social media, and it will be in the shop. You can come in. You can fit them. You can try them on. You can go through all of the equipment that goes with it. Unbelievably easy. But let's go around the panel just for a second, excluding me. I have an idea in my mind where this would be phenomenal on a property that I hunt out west where I can have trail cameras and I can scout, but I don't live there. Let's say the first hunt is an observation hunt, and I notice that deer are using you know, a certain trail 50 yards or 150 yards down. Instead of packing up my permanent stands or my hang-on stands and moving there, a tree saddle is something that I can easily access closer to that trail to engagement uh, without having to do a whole lot of work. So, Jake, where where are you going to utilize or where have you utilized equipment like this? And then we'll go to Dan and then Ernie. Obviously, you have tons of successful hunts with this. Where are some of the key points where a saddle is going to be beneficial to our listeners? Uh, for me like I use it in different situations. Like even on my place, um, I can't have a tree stand in every tree. Uh, so it's, it makes it able for me to go in the spring, trim out areas in stands that I don't know if I'll ever hunt in those trees, but it's ready. So if I start getting Intel or seeing a buck going through there, or it's a wind where I can't hunt something else I have set up, it's really easy for me to throw it on, go up that tree and hunt. You know, even if I hunt there once every five years, it opens up an option uh, without minimal work, um, minimal noise, easy to get in and out. You know, I think anybody traveling, uh, you know, out of state, even, you know, locally on public land, or even if you're going on private land, uh, it's a great option because it's lightweight, 
it's quiet. You don't need a lot of stuff. You can go in with your bow that time, go up the tree and hunt. Um, I think, you know, I even talk to customers that use it on land that they hunt with friends and family. Um, and just because they're hunting areas, somebody else isn't sitting in their stand. You know, it's easy to get up and down. Um, I think for myself too, another spot, you know, that I think it's really helpful is, you know, even on the elk wallow or something where you might be hiking in, you know, three, four miles to get to a spot. You're not going to want to carry 30 pounds of tree stand gear. You can throw that, um, you know, even you can maybe even not have sticks with and find a, find something with branches and get up high enough and somewhere to hide behind the tree to, to have that observation point. Um, I think it's a, you know, I think it's, it's something that every bow hunter should have in their toolbox. You know, it doesn't take much room. You can put it in the garage off to the side. You can always grab it and use it. Um, you know, I do have a couple questions for, um, Ernie on this one. So number one, when you get to branches, when you're going up, and you're unhooking your lineman's belt, how are you handling going around branches? Well, what I would do is I would use my tether, right? So I've got my lineman's as I'm going up, and when I get to that branch, I can always take my tether, attach it above the branch, unhook, rehook, take the tether off, keep going. Um, Or you can actually use your tether as a second lineman. So if you've got a connector on the loop end of your tether you can connect it right to the same bridge loops on your saddle as you would and you just put that above the tree branch and since it's basically a second lineman at that point you disconnect the one underneath it and keep, keep going. going and then when you hit the next branch you flop them again and so you can kind of leapfrog over the branches using two ropes okay awesome my other thing that i just want to know if you have any tips for dealing with loud bark yeah, so um, <laughs> some of them are really nasty. You're right. Uh, if you can go in and prep the tree ahead of time, that's like a cherry tree is horrible mm-hmm. with the you know those sharp edges and they're catching on everything. In that type of a situation, if it's a tree that you think you might hunt, uh, and this is a thing I pulled out of one of Eberhardt's books, is he actually will go up there, figure out where his platform is, and use his handsaw and kind of knock off the bark around the tree right there so that you're eliminating some of that stuff. It's a little bit noisy, so it's nice to do that ahead mm-hmm. of time. Um, you know, if you're if you're kind of running, gunning, and hunting that tree, you got to be more careful. You could, uh, there's, uh, so Stealth Outdoors makes a product that is basically a fleece blanket on buckles that you can wrap around the tree and snap it, and that'll give you a fleece background to kind of keep you off of the sharp bark. Because ultimately that, that bark is really noisy when you rub against it. It catches on your clothing mm-hmm. or anything like that. So if you can wrap it with that blanket, it eliminates some of those contact points. Good questions. Yeah. <clears throat> questions I never thought of. Dan? I'm going to say three different <clears throat> kind of ideas. So first would be like an observation set. If you're hunting a new place out, out of state, um, if you just want to exactly see what's going on. Second would be early season if you're hunting over like beans. And if you sat the first night and you see a buck come out, but he's 100 yards away, you know, you could obviously get in the next next evening and get a little bit closer. Third would be, um, you know, a big piece of public land that's, you know, 30 minutes north of here where there's just a lot of water. Maybe not this year, but prior to that. So, you know, weight's everything. I'd say definitely say that you can get into 
big piece of public and it's not going to take a whole lot of weight. So. And as far as I know, a lot of guys that came in last year and we had this discussion, a lot of them were public hunters right. or uh, one thing that we have kind of unique to Minnesota for Minnesota listeners is the MBRB. Um, are these allowed in the Metro? They are now. <laughs> okay. uh, so that's been a story in itself. Uh, over the last two to three years, I've had several meetings and several conversations with the MBRB uh, people. And two years ago, they allowed saddles on a couple of their hunts as kind of a trial basis. And they, they kept track of everything. It's, it's funny. I mean, they kept track of the wounding statistics of saddles versus not. Uh, they kept track of who was killing more deer. They kept track of everything, right? Um, and actually, at the orientation meetings, I was in one of the hunts that it was allowed on. They had me inspect everybody's saddle ahead of time. And so it's really come a long ways so that now – this year is the first year where saddles are included in every hunt. Um, you're kind of policing yourself. I, you know, I don't have to be there checking your equipment, which is awesome for me. Um, but, yeah, they've gotten it to the point now where it's becoming recognized that the MBRB will allow them on their property. And, and we're actually seeing saddles start to get included in, like, hunter's education classes. So we've donated equipment to certain state organizations and – we've given some talks at some of the hunters education classes where now we're teaching our younger generation of hunters how to use saddles safely in their primary hunter education class. That's phenomenal. It, I mean, as far as is education and <clears throat> like Jake said, it's a tool that, you know, even me should have in your arsenal uh, because it's not what I was going on. That is the MBRB and public land, you know, going in and not, you have to take your tree stand down or you're supposed to, and this and that every night, but even on private ground, mm -hmm. um, access is a huge, huge thing. And if they know you're there, probably going to decrease your chances of getting a shot at, at your target animal. But uh, Ernie, where over your extensive history of this and the products that come to, where do you utilize it? I mean, I'm assuming you use it everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I do, but, but I mean, let's, Kind of the big thing is, is kind of like you had just talked about, right? It's a tool in your toolbox. Uh, we like to say a golfer carries more than one club, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the situation and where you're at. Uh, there's places where, you know, perhaps a tree stand is a better option. Um, there's places where a ground blind is a better option. There's, there's places where you can go and maybe the saddle isn't the perfect fit for that position. Um, I tend to pick places that are more favorable for the saddle. <clears throat> but just last week, I was hunting in a ground blind in North Dakota. And um, so there's, it's just, it's a tool in your toolbox. For me, I think the thing that I like the most about it is when I started pairing my saddle with an e-bike. Because now I've got my saddle, which fits in my backpack, is super light and mobile. Then I take my bike and I get back into the woods quite a ways and then I can get off the bike and hike that last little bit in it makes us super mobile and allows me to get into places that I wasn't being able to access before mm -hmm. um, I'm really looking forward to getting out in the elk woods again with it this year we haven't been able to put it together where we actually harvest an elk out of a saddle yet but 
it's it's one of those things where it's not the saddle's fault, it's the bad hunter's fault. I can't seem to to put that together yet, but <laughs> it's honestly, I like it. Ultra uh, ultralight. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about that before we get into our tips and tricks because that's going to take up a pretty good portion of our podcast. But we we keep saying just like you said on your e-bike, it it fits in your backpack. Um overall weight when you have your couple of sticks or your three sticks and that and your what what are we talking about like what does a phantom weigh uh, not to put you on the spot no it's then. okay i'd have to double check but i think the phantom's coming in right at about 17 <clears throat> to 18 ounces um and that's your your saddle with your bridge right so that's your basic setup um and then you know once you put in your ropes and uh your platform, your platform for the regular platform, the Predator is right around three pounds, and that includes the the attachment method, so that includes the Cambuco strap. And then your ropes are going to add another pound or two here and there. I've heard of guys who have their entire system with their climbing method, their saddle, their platform, and everything down to like eight pounds. Well, um, that's what my bow weighs. <laughs> yeah, it's Your it's bow crazy. weighs more than eight pounds. <laughs> um, so like for me when I'm using my spurs, I've got carbon fiber spurs and they're two pounds, six ounces for the pair. So my climbing method is a little over two pounds. My saddle's a little over a pound. My ropes are another couple pounds. My platform's three pounds. I'm in that 10 pound range. That's how much beef jerky you bring. (laughs) You know, yeah. (laughs) And and the, uh, the nice thing is too, you know, a lot of guys will wear their saddle in. So even though it's got weight to it, it's strapped around your waist and you're, you've got the pockets on either side for holding your ropes and whatever else. So now all of a sudden, most of that weight just disappeared because it's, it's on your belt. Yeah, I would say majority of the people in like a Minnesota situation would be wearing it in, don't and, you think? Yeah. And, and for me, it kind of depends on how far I'm going. Um, you know, if I'm going in quite a ways, I'll put it in my pack. But if I'm only going two, 300 yards, I'll wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, uh, I don't wear it if I'm on my bike. So I'll keep it because I don't want a bridge or a rope or something hanging down and getting caught in things. Right. And so what I'll do is I'll put it in my backpack until I get off the bike, and then I'll put it on for the last walk. So when we're sitting in a tree, all right, everything's done, we're connected, we're comfortable, which I'm going to say that again, we're comfortable. They're very comfortable, like you said, a hammock for your butt. You have a bow hanger of some sort. You have your backpack. You're utilizing the same stuff we've been doing for decades as far as having everything comfortable. Your calls in your backpack, but you're actually facing the tree at this point. So things I, I, would, I would think are going to be easily accessible. Um, if you don't wear a binocular harness, your rangefinder, <clears throat> everything's right there in front of you. You can make less movement to get your items, less movement to grab your bow unless you have an easy hanger or something that's trifolded out to you. It's just, it's a very comfortable and a very easy way to stay somewhat motionless. Yeah. And I would say that, uh, because of the way a saddle works and because you're facing the tree, it's, it's much easier. Uh, we designed our hiss strap, uh, you know, it's our hang your stuff strap on the side of the tree to be a, it's a uh, public land friendly strap that straps around the tree and it's girth hitched around the tree with a tail. And what I generally tell people to do is attach your backpack to the tail and put that on, well, put it on the side that you're not going to be moving into that much, right? 
Um, so you put your backpack on the tree hanging off the tail. We've got a bow hanger that attaches to that hitch strap so you can actually hang your bow. And when, when you do, your bow is actually basically touching the tree. It's really close to the tree, and I try and set it up so that it's at a height that when I'm in my saddle, I'm generally in the same, you know, section where, like, my, my butt is at a certain height, and it's always at that height. So I set my bow up so that the riser is right in front of me. I can reach straight forward and be able to grab it w- without having to move around a lot. And it's right next to the tree. So, again, as I'm behind the tree and I'm reaching up to grab my bow, that motion is kind of protected by the tree. Um, my backpack's right there. And <clears throat> as far as, like, binocular harnesses, I don't wear one in the tree. I don't like it ha- it there, I just for whatever reason. So what I do is I've got a pouch that hangs off of my hitch strap that opens up and my binoculars sit in that pouch and they're just right in front of me accessible for the whole hunt. And then my backpack is more of a bucket style backpack. So I've got a big dump pouch in front of me as well as once I'm in the tree and all my ropes are installed, the pouches on my saddle are open that I can add stuff to, add calls, add my phone, do what I need to in there. So Jake, this is a question for you and Ernie and Dan as uh, okay, I'm a customer. I just listened to this podcast. I'm going to come in and uh, I got opener this weekend and I'm going to look at the Phantom. I want the Premier setup. What's all included? Do am I having to buy a lineman's belt as well? Yeah, we're Do bringing we're bringing the kits in. Okay. Um. So I mean, basically everything's included in the kit. And Ernie can interrupt here if I'm speak out of line, but everything's included in the kit. The only thing you know, some of the accessories aren't like the belt he was talking about to hang your accessories on. Uh, one of the other things I know for myself is like the back brace belt. I don't know what, what's yeah, our recliner, your recliner belt, um, help take some pressure off your lower back if you're sitting there ways. So there, there's some things, you know, the kit will come with what lineman's belt. Yeah. So the, the kit that you guys are putting in, will have a saddle and then your two ropes. So it'll be a saddle and your lineman and your tether. Basically the pieces that you need to get up the tree, get tied in and, and sit down. Um, you've also got the, uh, platform kit, that has the platform and then the carry bag for it so that uh, you've got a way to bring your platform in and out and then something to stand on. So, so we'll have it all. So Ernie, if somebody does buy a tethered system, let's say they buy it from us this weekend or the next couple of days, would you just recommend finding a tree in your backyard, go up two or three feet and just play around with that? 100%. Yeah. Um, so the thing with the saddle is, it can be a little intimidating when you first look at it, uh, but in, when, when you think about it, it's still kind of the same system, right? So mm-hmm. in a tree stand, you're going to hang a tree stand, you're going to put your <clears> harness <throat> on, you're going to put a strap around the tree, and you're going to clip your harness to, the, to that strap. It's the same components. We're just changing them so they look a little different. You still got your platform, which is your little tree stand. You've got a strap that goes around the tree as your tether, and then you clip your bridge, which is your harness, into it. Um, the difference is you're facing a different direction and you got to learn to kind of, you got to learn to kind of trust putting your weight on that rope all the time. And what people actually find most of the time is after they get to that point, they feel safer in a saddle because you always feel that rope holding you to the tree. Well, I think, uh, uh, the other day Ernie came with one of our other customers, Charles, and he said something that kind of stuck with me. He, uh, he naps in his. And safely, you yeah. know, you think about that, that, that tells you right there how safe that system is that you can just basically 
go limp against the tree and hang there. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and actually, um, without getting too far into names or what all happened, um, we were doing a demo at one point, and uh, there was an individual that went into a full seizure during the demo, um, and had zero control over his body and whatever else. And what ended up happening was, uh, like I had mentioned before, his feet came off the platform, he swung into the tree, and he just kind of hung there next to the tree, made his way through a seizure, kind of came out of it, stepped back on the platform, and was ready to go. I mean, it was, I mean, it's not something we would like to videotape or whatever else, but it happened, and I was like, wow, that actually was pretty cool to see the way that worked. It was safe, yeah. You know, as we're 2021 hunting season's already underway, there are more and more hunters that are videoing their hunts, uh, and not just individually, but let's just say a pair. If you're for a commercial outfit or if you're just doing it, or just a buddy system when you're hunting, um, taking out younger hunters and the situation, if, if you've done it in your backyard and you've trained, it's very easy for two guys or two hunters to go in and not have two stands and a bunch of clanking and banging around and, and having to trim all that excess stuff. Uh, I, you see a lot of it, and it's right now, it's, you can't take it away if you watch the Outdoor Channel or My Outdoor TV. There's a ton of guys that are shooting out of saddles and video on their hunts and be very, very successful. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of self-film guys, right? And there's some products out there now that are camera arms that are specifically built for saddle hunting. They've got a different length of arm and, and a multi-jointed arm and some ways to make it easier to maneuver around the tree. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing, like, the hunting public guys, they're to the point where they, uh, they'll they put the camera guy in the same tree right behind the hunter, and then they don't bring an arm at all anymore because what they're finding is that the cameraman can actually maneuver around and get better shots just putting it on his shoulder or on his uh, – just a handheld camcord because of the the way that you're right there with the hunter and you're able to film it works out good my actual like the thing that i enjoy the most about the two-person deal uh is actually trying to get your kids out because you can actually set up in the same tree as your kid who's probably nervous is just learning all this stuff and you're right there to give them advice and tips and pointers and Mm -hmm. then as the uh you know, if an animal comes in, you, you're, you're right there, right? So you're able to to be right there with a younger hunter and kind of teach them through it without having to be, you know, so many times it's like, all right, you know, Johnny's going to go sit in this tree and I'm going to be on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Well, you can be right in the same tree with them this way. Excellent. And I think, uh, too, going back to your videoing thing, like I just use a little Zenic mount that goes in the tree with a little phone holder. And when you're facing the tree, I find it actually a lot easier because it's you, you can have it out an inch and a half from the tree with your phone mounted on there, and you can easily hit the button and grab your bow, and you're not, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have a huge arm coming right. around you or something in the way that you're moving more. Ernie, i got to ask you this, Jake and Dan. Is it easy to shoot out of it? Sit, not sitting. I mean, okay, so we practice flat-footed most of the time. Sure. <clears throat> Some guys go up in a tree stand, but if you're standing in a tree stand, you're standing. If you're sitting in a tree stand, you're sitting. Here we're cradled. Your your top torso is away from the tree. So drawing a bow, getting on an animal, uh, range of motion, take us through that just a little bit. 
Sure. So the first thing you really got to pay attention <clears throat> to is um, if you're going to be shooting your bow at any point in time, uh, we've all been taught this since day one, form-wise, you're going to want your dominant arm at a 90 degrees to your body. It's it's away from you, right? Well, if that bow is in that position, then your tether is coming off of your hips directly away. They're at a 90 degree angle to each other. And at that point, you're never going to have any interference because all of your stuff is going to be off to the side. Some guys when they first get into a saddle get wrapped up and they'll try and they'll try and pull their bow closer to the front of them. And then not only do you get tangled up in the string, but your form goes all to hell because nobody teaches you to shoot in front of you with your bow. Right. Um, so that's where a common misperception is, is that, that all of the, the ropes and attachments and things that you're involved in are going to get in the way of your form. And if you're shooting properly, it won't. So that's the, the first thing I wanted to mention. But let's go back to just some geometry a little bit. When you're standing at an archery line anywhere on the ground okay your anchor is your feet which means your whole body is pivoting at your ankles and your whole body can sway when you're sitting in a saddle or even standing in a saddle leaning you've got your feet anchored just like you would but you've also got this harness assembly at your hips that is anchored because you're going to have weight into that or maybe you also have your knee on the tree so now all of a sudden You've taken that four to five foot lever arm from your ankle to your shoulders and reduced it to 20 inches from your hips to your shoulders. You'll find that if you can get your feet anchored and put weight into the rope, you're actually going to have a more stable shot because your whole body can't move as much as it could before. And that really comes into play with like a rifle because when you're in a saddle with a rifle, it's super easy to lean your rifle into your bridge or even swing it over and push it against a tree to get a stable shot. You've got some built-in rests. Never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, and I find it, like, more like standing shooting. Because, like, when you sit down, you know, you really have to worry about pressure more. Um, or consistent pressure more like you're standing. And I think shooting out of the saddle is is more like you practice. You know, I think all of us practice all summer so standing in the backyard and then you know, a lot of times in the tree stand, unless you're standing, you get caught sitting down and that's a different anchor. It's a different pressure point um, where I do feel like, you know, more, more like a standing position. Yeah. Well, and the reality is if you're in a saddle, you're not sitting at a point that your legs are at 90 degrees at the knees. Most of the time you're sitting. So maybe you're at a 45 degree away from standing. So you're already most of the way standing. Even though you've got some weight in the saddle and your feet are down, it's not as if you're sitting on a flat bench with your legs straight out in front of you. Your body isn't in that double 90 that you would have sitting down. It's kind of in a, you know, like a 135, 90 type of a deal. So let's go over a few tips and tricks as we wrap this up for guys and, and listeners, hunters in general. Um, Ernie, some stuff, some questions you get, which... You guys got a pretty cool interactive website that you can they can always get a hold of you guys and customer service can help out. Also, now we are going to be another resort for customers not only physically touch, but they can call and, and talk to us through a system. But just some common questions, some tips and tricks that I that we maybe have overlooked in this hour podcast that, that you think should be out there. The biggest one is 
as soon as you get your your system, practice it a half an hour in your backyard. Put a platform on the tree. Put your put your ropes on the tree. Make it so that you just have to step off the ground onto the platform. Take some shots in your backyard and get comfortable. Then then you want to develop a system, um, and it's it's not a system where you get it right every time. It's a system that you can't get it wrong. And, and there is a difference in the way, you know, those two thought processes are. And the idea is you don't want to be learning this stuff in the dark 20 feet up in the air and all of a sudden you're like, man, how does that rope go? What does that go again? Just practice it in your backyard because that's, that's going to make you a lot more comfortable. You know, the more you can get to where you trust your ropes, you trust your system, and you're more comfortable in it, because the deer never comes where you want it to, right? So you're going to be up there, and all of a sudden that weak side shot is going to come, and you haven't practiced it, and and you're going to be fiddling around and, and not being able to pull it off. And so it's just like anything else is, is just get really comfortable with it and then just have fun. I mean, it's uh, one of the beauties of saddle hunting is it is a fun thing to do. It's going to be a situation where you're, you're going to get to do some – exploring you're going to see other places you're going to do things that maybe you were limited to before you know too many times it was brought up earlier that uh you know you go out and you set up your your stand that's all set up and you sit in there and you know the deer's 50 yards away and it's walking by and too many times we're so dedicated to that tree that we sit in the next we go the next day and sit in the same tree and hope something else happens and it never does Uh, you can get down and move. I mean, you can get down and move in the same hunt if you need to. It's uh, The idea is to make you more efficient, make you more mobile, and make it so that you can be a more successful hunter. Jake, you got any, any tips and tricks? And Dan? I had some questions for him, but we went uh, we already went through those. <laughs> you know, I think it just, you know, my tip is I truly believe it should be part of every hunter's toolbox i mean it's not that expensive you have one setup you know you don't have 15 tree stands out there um but it can turn into an infinite amount of possibilities i think it it just opens more doors and i think you know my other tip would be never leave it at home keep it in your truck during hunting season or if you're going on a trip make sure it's in there because you never know you find that spot and you're like, oh, man, or, you know. It, like, it always happens on any type of state hunt where yeah. you're like, oh, man, I should have forgot or well, should have brought that with, you know. And it's so light. I mean, you can be out west on a hunt where you don't think you're going to need something like that, but that can be in your backpack. That could be a game changer. And that can be a game changer over a water hole or someplace they're crossing or, you yeah, know. I mean, Dano, you're going here in, in a couple of weeks and you're headed out west and for the most part, probably 98% of it's going to be spot and stock, but there may be a situation. Right where you found a bedding area right. and for three days you watch the same three bucks going to this bedding area or, or closer to rut where a bunch of does are and all of a sudden there's four or five cottonwoods on the edge of this all right you have it with you exactly well and if you got a truck full of four guys with equipment it doesn't <laughs> yeah. take much room either where if you got four guys and everyone wants to throw Everyone's two tree stands in with coolers and everything exactly. else yep. you know space is limited this is this is a nice alternative and, and we bring up a point like this is a very affordable tool it's mm-hmm. not you're not have to worry about i know guys that'll spend more money on scent and wicks than they're going to spend on a saddle for the year so it's it's reasonably priced there's different options that that we're going to fit you for um, different sizes on all of that categories and then it's also it's a company that's easily 
you know, we can get this kind of stuff in, in this industry, the outdoor industry, especially archery, there's some products that are just backordered forever. And right now with the phenomenon and tethered being a retailer here for them, um, it gives an opportunity for more people to access a great product. Yeah. I got one question for Ernie. Why do you feel like such a bad mother effort when you're hunting in a saddle? <laughs> it just, you know, it's kind of a funny thing, right? So I, I brought this up in another podcast years ago, and it's it's kind of like your, your vegans and your CrossFitters and, and whatever else. Um, you're, you're part of a, a little cult, right? You're part of a, a group of guys that just, it has a different feel to it. And, and there's also a little bit of a community and family to it. And it's funny, it's, it's those different groups, generally, if... If you do CrossFit, everybody knows you do CrossFit because you tell them about it. And, <laughs> and saddle hunting is very similar. It's, it's man, this is so awesome. And, and you just feel like you have to tell everybody and you have to get everybody else involved. But uh, it's just a cool deal. And I think some of the, the more fun moments are, you know, you'll be on public land in a tree and, and something. Some guy will walk by and they'll see you up there. And all of a sudden, you can just tell in their mind, they're like, what in the Sam hell is going on in that tree? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it instantly starts the conversation. And it's a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it's different. It's new. Um, it's got, it's just got a certain flair to it. I think for whatever reason, people are really drawn to it and it's been fun to see. Yeah. And I think it's like so many things in life. Try not to get yourself in a box, you know, like, you know, I hunt out of tree stands. I hunt out of box blinds. I hunt out of a saddle. I hunt out of a ground blind. Um, you know, I don't, I don't try to say I'm just this kind of hunter, whatever the situation that's going to best help my objective is with the tool I'm going to use. Right. Get creative. Yeah, there. And, and this is, this is a tool that, you know, everybody will have success with in, at some point. Yeah. Don't, don't be the stereotypical, uh, celebrity hunter. And, and like Ernie said, when you go to a golf course, you have your drivers all the way down to your wedges and then your putter. If you pull up to a spot where you're going to hit a 300-yard drive, you're not going to grab a sandwich. So why would you have, if you're just stuck in the one, you're not going to have that ability. I mean, the end result is all the same for all of this, to be a successful hunter, to, to punch a tag, whatever it may be. And this is another great tool from Tethered, again, for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, ultralight hunting redefined. Is there anything we missed? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, openers this weekend, isn't it? I mean, that's mm -hmm. the big thing. Uh -huh. Everybody get out there and have a safe hunt this weekend. That's exciting. Have fun. This is what we've all been waiting for. And we will uh, We will have these. They're yeah, coming. By the time this podcast drops, they'll be in the yep. stores. So you can come in. You can call the shops, uh, all three locations, Brainerd, Waite Park, and right here in Rogers. If you need to get a hold of Ernie and the crew from Tethered, you can. You can call the shops. On behalf of everybody at Archery Country, we're signing out. We'll see you down the road. Have a great opener for those of you that are going out. And uh, holler at us if you need anything. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.